The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you for our final Regular season show of the 2017-2018 season, and it is time to reveal the 2018 Banny Award winners. Eric Lopez is joining us uh, from his usual uh, home office, uh, uh, but Brian Murphy is somewhere in Winter Haven. What in the hell is going on? I'm joining you from the real-life set of Last House on the Left. That's where I'm joining you from. I am joining you from where, from the places God has never seen. Okay. So, Somewhere so, in the middle with no light has, has bathed the, the street that I am on for years. Okay. So, so I drive my way back from Tampa. Okay. So my mother taught me that this is what you do when someone's lost. You just keep them on the phone until they get to where they're going. So we picked the right night to record this. Uh, we're we're yeah, sorry. Tell you what. After like 15 miles, I have now found an open industrial parking lot. So nothing bad can happen now. Oh, no, not, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Lopez is here. We've got lots for you. Wow. Blackandgoldbanneret.com. No, 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 by the way, if you're wondering, Murph, uh, did go to the Yankees-Rays game, which went four-plus hours because, you know, apparently this year, if Murph goes to a baseball game, college or pro, it's going to go over four hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and watch the Yankees get swept by a double-A baseball team. Oh, Don't get me started. Don't get me started. So, In fairness, Sam Unger got to watch that in person on Saturday and watch the great Sonny Gray, who <sighs> uh, may be designated Jeff, for assignment for three months. Jeff are, Jeff, are you panicking on the Yankees? Are you pushing the panic button on the Yankees? You know, I'm not right. You know, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hit the panic button right now. Not right yet. Not not just yet. Not just won't yet. Panic. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you. You know, Murph's a Yankee. For those that don't know, Murph's a Yankee fan. Jeff's a Yankee fan. Our Sam, friends, Sam, Sam is a younger. Yankee. Sam is a Yankee fan. So Eric, you're outnumbered. But go ahead. I feel like you guys are destined to be that team that makes the playoffs and gets swept in the playoffs and have that graphic where Stanton, Judge, and Sanchez combined going like two for 30 in the playoffs. Oh, like, oh this, like has, this has all the ma- – this just feels so much like the, all those years when the Yankees would win the East Division and then get clobbered by the, by the California Angels. Or I say the California Angels, the Anaheim Angels yeah. or whatever. You know, they would just run into that buzzsaw every single time. It just it would just drive me absolutely crazy. This has all yeah, the, the, angels, the angels had their number. The angels had their number for years, though. The angels always had their yeah, number. Yeah, that's true. Well, anyway, we've now wasted our monologue for the award show on the Yankees. <laughs> but, um, but all right, black and gold banner—that's where you want to go. We're going to have the results up for you this week. Uh, releasing this on a Monday. We didn't have a podcast last week because our schedules didn't just didn't work out. And we had a couple of other things that we were doing. It's the summertime. We're going to we kind of throttle things back a little bit, but. Um, we're gonna. We wanted to get this up for you because our uh, award, our, our awards are in. We wanted to thank all the fans who voted for the awards uh, as well. And to those of you who didn't vote for the awards, well, you lose. Um, UCF underscore Banneret is our Twitter account. Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret is our uh, Facebook, and you can also hit us up individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez Elo, and Spokes underscore Murphy. 
on Twitter and subscribe to this podcast if you don't already on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. Guys, let's dive right in. Um, our uh, and we start with our basically our first award that we had, which was uh, Coach of the Year. Our nominees were Scott Frost of football, Brian Canico of women's tennis, Becky Kramer of rowing, and Tiffany Roberts of Hadak from women's soccer. And your winner with 74% of the vote, Scott Frost. Um, this was the one that I was really interested in because of I, I wondered how the fans would react. And I reached out to Sam, or actually Sam reached out to me, and he said, you know, bottom line, guy led us to an undefeated season. Can't take that away. And I think that that's pretty much right on the money. I thought that this might be a backlash vote, but it wasn't. You guys, I, I, are you, were you surprised by it? I thought that there would be a pretty strong backlash vote. I'm I'm glad that the percentage is as high as it is. I didn't actually didn't expect it to be that high, considering you've got four choices and they're all good choices. Um, but that's the right decision. It's the right call, and I'm glad UCF fans are, aren't aren't harboring that much animosity towards. Scott Frost. There are some still ridiculous for ridiculous reasons, but not that much. <laughs> Eric? I actually, I, I think it's overblown. I, I think you have that 10% audience that uh, has a grudge, but I honestly think that 90% of the fan base is fine with Scott Frost. I think we overblow, we overblow like the vocal minority. Reactions. Right, correct. Yeah. And I think that's what it is here. I guarantee you that the uh, Every, the majority is fine. If Scott Frost were to walk into the stadium, okay, in Spectrum Stadium, he would get a standing ovation. Complete, clearly. I think, I think um, he should. <laughs> oh, he, he would. Yeah. He would. I mean, you might have a couple of I don't know if he would, but I think he should. He would. I mean, George O'Leary got cheered after an O for season the following year. Uh, so I, I think Scott would. I think Scott did a tremendous job. I am happy, though, that other coaches got acknowledged, though. Obviously, 74% tells me other voters, coaches got votes, which I think is a good yeah. thing. Becky Kramer finished second at 17%. Uh, That's good. Tiffany right? I mean, at five and Brian for... Canico at four. I think Brian should have gotten a little bit higher, but I'm happy that Becky got 17%. And if it was probably mm -hmm. a normal year, she probably would have won yeah. it, but it uh, was not a normal year. Yeah. Uh, comeback athlete of the year. This was actually the closest one out of all the awards in terms of the votes. Um, the nominees were Cree Finfrock of baseball, Kayla Adamek of women's soccer, and Zakia Saunders of women's basketball. And Cree Finfrock wins the award with 44% of the vote. I thought that Kayla Adamek would win this, but she and Zakia Saunders finished with 28%. Um, Brian, you followed Cree uh, throughout the year, uh, and I know you thought that this was well-deserved. No, I mean, Cree, coming back from a major shoulder injury, I mean – he did not actually have Tommy John. I thought he did initially, but it was a labrum tear. And if anybody knows how arms work in baseball, a major shoulder repair is a, a lot more tenuous than an elbow repair. Um, a, a shoulder, a major shoulder injury can really derail your career entirely. Um, so Cree came back after a year off and, uh, and, and showed, and showed a, a really good fastball, really biting slider, should have been drafted higher in the MLB draft, uh, uh, in my opinion. But no, I mean he really, really had a good season, both as a as a reliever out of the pen, as a, as like a an Andrew Miller type guy out of the pen at first, mm -hmm. and then moving into the moving into be their Friday starter, which at, at some points of the season he was their best starting pitcher. So um, no, it, it was a great uh, comeback season for Cree, and uh, I'm interested to see what he'll do uh, in the pros. Yeah. 
uh, breakout athlete of the year. This was a runaway. Uh, the nominees were uh, Zakia Saunders of women's basketball, Kaylee Jones of women's golf, Denali Schapacher of softball, and Mackenzie Milton from football. And Mackenzie won 90% of the vote for breakout athlete of the year. I thought that the the definition of breakout kind of applied most loosely to him out of these four. But when you go from being, you know, like you said, Eric Lopez, and we'll go with you on this, um, being booed at the uh, at the bowl game last year to being a Heisman vote getter and incoming Heisman candidate for the following year, that qualifies as a breakout, doesn't it? Yeah, he broke through and uh, had the year he did, you know, getting Heisman votes. Yeah, that's not a surprise. If anything, that's interesting. He got ninety percent. Who got the other votes? Five uh, percent to Zakia Saunders and five percent to Denali Schapacher. Wow. How yeah. about that? That's good. They got acknowledged. That's good acknowledgement. Uh, but yeah, no, Milton was the choice, the obvious choice here. We knew he was going to win. It was just going to be the question of the margin. But yeah, I mean, it's funny how people want to, you know, people like to rewrite history and everybody's like all of a sudden, oh, McKenzie's our guy and all this. But you're right. I remember we were both there, Jeff. We were at that bowl game, uh, the Cure Bowl, where UCF lost to Arkansas State and they booed McKenzie Milton off the field. And that was a very sad moment. I remember that. Yeah, I, I never, I never thought you. that was fair. I thought it was disgraceful. I remember I was sitting with you and Trace, uh, and it reminded me of when Kyle Israel got booed, and he got treated badly when he was a quarterback, and uh, that was unfortunate. So I was happy for the kid uh, that it's turned around for him. Um, you know, from from that night on, to to think about that he would go from that night on, where people wondered if he was quite, would it be a quality starting quarterback, to now where he is. Now people are trying to argue for him as you know where does he rank mm. as far as the quarterbacks in the country is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, senior leader of the year. This is the first year that we've done this. And yes, boys, there was some controversy when we released the poll. Um, the nominees were Chaquan Burkett of football, Kia Bright of volleyball, AJ Davis of men's basketball, and Zakia Saunders of women's basketball. Um, the, the controversy stemmed from some users on Twitter saying, hey, uh, like, Shaquem Griffin, where is he in this award? And I, t- and, uh, I mentioned right, you know, straight away that, you know, two things. Number one, that, you know, we wanted to kind of sp- spread it out a little bit evenly. So um, that's why he wasn't in there. He was nominated for two other awards. And uh, and one Twitter user, I forget exactly who, brought up a good point. He said, he said, you know, that's a good point. Come to think of it, he was, if he was nominated for Men's Tennis Player of the Year, he probably would have won that too, um, <laughs> which was a good point. But Senior Leader of the Year, um, AJ Davis with 50% of the vote. Burkett had 29, Saunders had 21, but AJ Davis uh, gets the Senior Leader Ooh. of the Year award. So uh, I thought that was an interesting result. I, how much of that is because of men's b- basketball being popular compared to the other sports? Now, now, now you, you could say, say well, that was- to you could say that about pretty much sure. any any of these, right? Well, it's just disappointing to me. I think Burkett, I think in probably the people that probably didn't vote for Burkett is like, well, no, I think Griffin was the more valuable guy, right? Like, I feel he lost some votes to people that felt that Griffin was the guy at football, and maybe they voted for Davis because that's the name they recognized. I, I think it should have been Zakia Saunders, personally. Um, yeah, she got my vote, without, too. Without her, I don't even think, I don't even know where this women's basketball season would have gone. I don't think they're an NIT, put it this way, I don't think they would have been at a WNIT team without her. She was the clear leader on the team, clear best player on mm-hmm. uh, on the team. She was the leader on and off the court. 
I remember even when she was redshirting last year, how she was leading the team at practices that I was at. She should have gotten the vote, but I think obviously they went with Davis because of the men's basketball popularity and all the good articles that Murph wrote about AJ Davis this year. <laughs> so it's your fault, Murph. <laughs> Yay! It's all my fault. It's all my fault. Or credit. I don't say it's fault. I'll, Maybe I'll, credit. I'll let I'll <laughs> let you def- I'll let you defend AJ. Go ahead, Murph. No, no, I, I think Eric's right though. It's like I, it's sort of the same reason, kind of like why Cree got a big share of the vote too, is because I know baseball is still below men's basketball, but it does get more press th- right. than many other sports. So that's why basketball and baseball floats to the top, and then football's you know at the very, very top in its own in its own stratosphere. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, I will say this about AJ though: like when BJ Taylor's hurt, Taco Fall is hurt. Aubrey Dawkins, who you expect to be your best player, even if he doesn't have much, you know, experience with the team, he's out. I mean, someone needed to pick up the slack, and AJ was there to basically give you a double double every night. Um, was a really versatile player who played almost every position except for except for point, basically. Uh, really good defensively, uh, improved on, as, as a perimeter shooter, um, and just you know, just a quiet leader, um, and really a guy that you know you look back on. And I think his his impact on this on on this program over the over the three years will sort of be forgotten, but sort of. And then, in other words, it'll be underrated. I think he did a lot for this program, but because he wasn't a real flashy guy, and because he wasn't um, you know spectacular in any one skill set, I think it'll kind of be washed over. But he really, really did a lot. He reminded me a lot of a guy named Marius Boyd, who played for UCF in the A Sundays, who is just a, one of those kind of, just a grinder type guy who, it, you know, it didn't, you know, and even Marius, you know, he didn't um, put a lot of points on the scoreboard, certainly not as much as AJ did at times, but um, but without his presence on the floor, you know, they, they, they would have lost a lot more games than they did. So congrats to AJ Davis mm-hmm. uh, and a job well done. All right, this is our last one before we hit a break here. Uh, you talk about popularity for uh, for football. Well, here you go. Newcomer of the year. The nominees were Mike Hughes for football, Christina Fisher of volleyball, Denali Schapacher of softball, and Rebecca Stolmar of women's tennis. And Mike Hughes, you want to talk about a runaway, 92% of the vote went to Mike Hughes as the uh, newcomer of the year. Um, the ju- junior college transfer basically spent all of four months on UCF's campus before he was able to, uh, yeah. you know, t- turn his transfer into, um, well, one of the greatest moments in UCF sports history and a first round draft selection. Um, Brian, you saw how good this wa- this guy was in person numerous times, as did you, Eric. Um, I, I, I don't know how you argue with this one, right? Yeah, yeah, and no, you know we talked. Yeah, we already. Oh yeah, go go ahead, go ahead, Eric. Go ahead. Yeah, no, this was a no brainer, not a, not a surprise, right? I mean, he made a big impact, special teams and defensive back, right, Murph? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I mean, interesting question. If he doesn't arrive on campus, Murph, does this team still go undefeated? Gosh, that is a good question. Uh, it's a good question. I mean, they they definitely don't have. A certain, they, you can't assume they have a really important kickoff touchdown on Black Friday. Um, so right. that basically that changed the game. So you could 
you can take that game in a nutshell and say like, well, they don't win that game except without Mike Hughes. Um, you know, overall, he was very good in the secondary. He turned into their best corner. Um, you know, will would they would they have still won all of those games without him on defense? I, I think so. I think so because just their offense was so good. They weren't really involved in a ton of close games. But that USF game and what he did on special teams is is the signature of the season, really. I, I don't know. I, I point to that conference championship game against Memphis, and when he was on Anthony Miller, that was just a battle. If you put a lesser guy on Anthony Miller, it probably would have resulted in uh, in, uh, in in possibly a Memphis victory, even though Miller got his a couple times. I mean, Miller's a yeah. good enough player. I mean, he was drafted by the Chicago Bears himself, but... Um, that was a battle, and I thought that Mike Hughes basically played Miller to a draw in that game. I think in the first, I think in the first half, you're right. Like in the first half, you're right. But like in the second half, like Anthony Miller just sort of found ways to really yeah. like exploit UCF defense. Now, and we talked about this game last week. Like that game defensively was not was not a fun, was not good. <laughs> well, you know no. what kind of games I like. But anyway, so that's our newcomer of the year to Mike Hughes. Let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll have sort of the all sports awards, which are game of the year, play of the year, moment of the year, performance of the year, and then the male and female athlete of the year. Uh, and we'll wrap this up. Here we go. We'll be right back. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's such a dedicated Knight fan that right now, if you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WeSellOrlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And welcome back to the 2018 Bannies Award Show here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy, who uh, is still stuck in some industrial parking lot somewhere between here and Tampa, which, as always, is exactly where you want to be. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> By the way, you can still follow us throughout the off season. We'll be we'll be writing. We'll be uh, putting up some new content. We'll even have some uh, in, some podcasts coming out every now and then. What we call our summer sessions, where we interview some uh, UCF alumni to catch up on what they're doing. Um, you can follow us at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, Black and Gold Banneret dot com as well and facebook.com slash black and gold banneret all right uh game of the year this ended up being a runaway that uh more of a runaway than i thought it would be uh the nominees for game of the year uh women's soccer beating north carolina in double overtime in august softball getting a victory over number four florida one to nothing giving up just one hit in that game and then two football games, the Memphis game in the American Athletic Conference Championship, 62-55 in overtime, and football over USF, 49-42. The USF game, the war on I-4, classic, classic UCF game, maybe the classic game of the year in college football, won this with 87% of the vote. 5% oh. each to, to the Memphis game and the softball game, 3% to women's soccer I was surprised that it was this much of a blowout. What about you, Eric Lopez? That's a great number. I'm shy. I'm amazed. I'm impressed with them. I saw the softball fans going with the five percent there with that Florida. <laughs> I, I thought good. you guys were right. I got to give you both of you guys credit. I thought the Memphis game would have gotten a few more votes than it did, and it only got five percent itself. Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, you know. I think the more people have taken aback, I think the USF game was just a more enjoyable wild game whereas i think the memphis game and murph you know we we broke it down a last episode there was a lot of screw-ups in that game um yeah you know that's UCF what, that's, that's what i thought made that game much more wild but anyway go ahead <laughs> no people don't like to see screw mess up and mistakes uh whereas the usf game you know that was a back and forth the the, the, the atmosphere i thought was better then the Memphis game, maybe I don't know if it's because of the kickoff times or whatever. I, you know, quite frankly, I think UCF fans, you know, it's a rival game. USF's a bigger deal than beating Memphis. With all due respect to Memphis, even though the Memphis game was the title game, beating USF and and ending their quest, uh, you had the performance with Flowers, um, and you saw plays at that game that we may never ever see again. We may never see a kick return like that. We may never see three touchdowns scored in 53 seconds like we did in that fourth quarter at the end yeah, there. Yeah. Um, that was some iconic stuff, whereas, you know, the Memphis game, you know what I compare it to? It rem- it's like the U.S. hockey team in 80. Everybody remembers the Russia win, the Soviet Union win. Mm-hmm. Nobody remembers the gold medal game win. Yeah. And I think that's kind of yeah. how it the gold medal. Ga- yeah, everyone forgets that the gold medal game was against Finland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they had to beat Finland in order to win the gold medal. Murph, your thoughts? Uh, I'm, I think that's the right decision. I think even the separation is correct. Like, I don't know what other I, I we, we put up four nominees and they're fine nominees. Um, but I mean, when Sports Illustrated basically says yeah. that game is the game of the year in sports, all sports for 2017, yeah, it's a pretty easy call. And I'm glad that at the very least, saw the softball tied the Memphis game because the Memphis game wasn't that good and it doesn't deserve to get a lot of votes. Yeah, Man, you guys are just just you guys are. I mean, it was a good game too, just not as good as the USF game. Let's not go say it sucked. Sloppy. It was a Man, sloppy you guys game. are. There was some sloppiness. Man, you guys are such. Again, you guys are such trolls. You guys are like, if if it's not this one, it's because this one sucks. 
It's not that it wasn't as good. It was because this one stinks. <laughs> I think also it tells Potato. people don't like the overtime rule. I think the overtime rule takes away from that game because it's like it's gimmicky. Oh, I don't like people. Like, we've had like, college overtime like for 20 years now. It's, we've had college know, overtime for 20 you. years. Everyone, everyone's I used think, to it now. I know, but that doesn't – I think it takes – I mean, I don't think people look at it. Man, that was an incredible triple overtime game. I mean, no, they don't look at it that way. I think it, they look at it, oh, that was a gimmicky end. It's like a great soccer match that ends on a penalty kick. Nobody remembers. Nobody ever says, wow, that was the greatest soccer match I ever saw. Did you see that penalty kick? Wow. No, nobody thinks that. I think, I think the USF game being authentic with the wild finish, uh, what's, what was at stake on both sides, um, and I do think, you know, Adam Amin calling it, it was an exciting game that everybody watched and more people watched the game. And, uh, uh, it's a game that nobody that was in that building will ever forget anytime soon. And I also think this, I think some of the UCF fans, the Memphis game, one of the things that takes away from that was also the day that Scott Frost basically became the Nebraska coach officially, basically. So, yeah. right. I mean, he resigned like a couple of hours later. So, and the I news broke during the game. Correct. So, yeah, I think to some people, maybe that takes away from it a little bit as well. And Jeffrey, can I continue to just beat this dead horse real quickly? <laughs> uh, people also need to remember about the Memphis game. Like, yeah, UCF at times looked like they were going to lose to USF. But, like, you know, there was never a, a moment in, like, late in the fourth quarter where I thought, like, that's it, this game is over, USF is going to win. In the Memphis game, UCF should have lost. I will say that again. They should have lost when Mackenzie Milton throws a what? What is that pick over the middle, which really should have been turned into a, a game-winning field goal that doesn't happen. There's the block. There's the penalty. Now it's missed again. Well, that was the thing too. But, the officiating in that game was really not good. There was confusion. I mean, it was just a uh-huh. lot of weird stuff there. That was just yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right. I uh, you know what? I like weird games, and I'm sticking to it. All right, moving on. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the play I like of the fact that Murph liked the fact that the softball game should have gotten ahead of that game. That's great. Yeah. The play Probably would have been in favor. Right. Mm-hmm. Play of the year. Um, obviously we referred to it. Mike Hughes's kickoff return against, uh, USF, um, was, uh, one of the nominees along with Trey Neal's interception against Memphis. Christine Creighton's goal against North Carolina to uh, give UCF the win, a golden goal against number four UNC. And uh, Brody Wofford's uh, uh, robbing of a home run uh, by Cincinnati for UCF baseball. That ended up on the Sports Center top 10. The winner with 77%. Mike Hughes, of course, with the kickoff return touchdown. Trey Neal got 20% out of that. I'm surprised. I thought, I thought Mike Hughes would get more. Well, I mean, that's it, it, the, the Hughes. The Hughes play is an iconic play, but I think that a yeah. lot of it, you know, I, I think I, I really well, was I, surprised I argue, that the Trey Neal getting about, as would, much as twenty percent too. I would argue I defended the Trey Neal play last week. I think that's an iconic play too. There's not a bigger interception in the history of this program than that interception. That interception won the American Conference Championship. That's what Trey Neal will probably be remembered for more than likely for the rest of his life. Anytime you see Trey Neal, will be wow. He's the one that made the interception that won the American Conference Championship game. And I think that's kind of, I think, what some people kind of why they voted for that one. Mm-hmm. Because they it won in the championship. That being, you know, um, whereas in the Hughes play, you could argue that USF was stupid for kicking off to him. Like, why are you kicking off to him? Uh, like, they, you know, that was perplexing to me. But, 
uh, obviously the Hughes play should have won, and, and yeah. that's fine. I don't have a, we may never see an ending like that again. But I, I will defend the twenty percent people that voted for Neil. I don't have a problem with that. All right. So along those lines, moment of the year. Um, I think we pretty much all expected this to be exactly to go exactly as it went. Um, football finishing thirteen and zero at the Peach Bowl. Uh, Rowing winning its fourth straight American Athletic Conference championship. Women's tennis reaching the NCAAs. And women's soccer beating North Carolina in two overtimes. Um, This one was the runaway out of all of them. Uh, Football finishing 13-0 at the Peach Bowl. Got 97% of the vote as the moment of the year. Almost unanimous. Um, Women's Mm -hmm. soccer, um, I think, beating North Carolina got, you know, God bless them, got one vote. That accounted for the 3%. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was, like you said, I mean, the, the Mike Hughes thing, that one was pretty obvious. This one was pretty obvious. I mean, when are you ever going to see now? I don't care. Oh, listen, Lopez, I know you're not on the national championship bandwagon, certainly not as much as I am, but when you have a team that does something like that, I mean, UCF became a, one of this year's cultural touchstones in sports because of what happened there in Atlanta and everything that happened after it. And that's why this is the moment of the year for UCF. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't, regardless how you feel about the, what, after all the stuff that doesn't take away from the winning the peach bowl and you beat Auburn and you go undefeated in the season. I don't think anybody's questioning. That's no question is the moment of the year. Uh, maybe the moment of the history of the, uni- uh, the, the, the program and the moment of the is, university. I don't is think- it? The, okay. Brian, is that hmm? the moment of the program? Probably just because people will always judge you by your your highest, you know, highest accolade, greatest acclaim, and for this program, like yeah, they went undefeated and and won a, you know, what what was formerly known as a BCS bowl. And they, I know they won, they already won one as well, and with the Fiesta Bowl, but that season they weren't undefeated. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably the moment of the program is the the culmination of the greatest season. Uh, beating an SEC team in a New Year's Day bowl, like yeah, that's that's probably that's probably that's probably it. Yeah. All right, performance of the year. This is sort of an individual award, although we did have the women, the women's tennis team of ten, tennis team of Martinez and Kuznetsova. Um, uh, performance of the year, single game performance by an individual or single event performance. Uh, we mentioned Martinez and Kuznetsova. Um, Gabby Durant's hammer throw in track and field, Aaliyah White one-hitting UF uh, for softball, and Shaquem Griffin in the Peach Bowl. Shaquem wins with 64% of the award, of the of the vote for his uh, performance in the Peach Bowl, his best game of the year, definitely. Um, interestingly enough, Eric Lopez, Aaliyah White got 30% of the vote for one-hitting wow. UF. Uh, but Shaquem, far and away, uh, above the... You know, I, I love it when you see a great player save his best, not only for last, but for the biggest moment and on the biggest stage. And that's what Shaquem Griffin did in that game. Cause you go back and you look at the games that he had quite a few of them were certainly by his standards, fairly pedestrian, but his performance in that game against Auburn was sublime. And I'm glad that he got the award and, and it was f- excellent to see him do that. Um, in UCF's biggest moment of the year, don't you, Brian? Yeah, I mean it's a, it's the it's the crowning achievement, and it's the guy that the program is, is is revolved around last season. I mean, outside of Scott Frost on the field, 
the program was about Shaquem Griffin, uh, I believe. So yeah. for him to step up in, in the biggest game in the program's history, really, yeah, it's a big moment. I will say, though, I'm kind of glad that it wasn't like an 85, 90% runaway because there are other deserving candidates here, and I'm glad people kind of saw that. Yeah. Yeah, Shaquem, by the way, in that game, 12 tackles, six solo, a sack and a half, three and a half tackles for loss. He spent much of the day in the Auburn backfield uh, harassing Jared Stidham. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was his best performance of the year statistically. Uh, Lopez. They don't, win, they, don't, they don't win that game without him. Yeah. He was the best player in the field. They don't win that game. In fact, if, if he's not on that team on that day, I think Auburn wins by two touchdowns. Uh, I think he you might be right. that big of an impact. You I might think, very and well that game, right. and I think, and I think that game got him drafted. I think that game got him drafted. I think it's one of the greatest performances any UCF player, football player, has ever had in a big in a game like that. Uh, and that's why I think he will be probably one of the top three names in the history, top four, top five. We'll go concerted, go top five names in the history. When you think UCF football, I think he's in that list. I think yeah. he's on that list he's now with definitely Paul on Pepper. the Mount Rushmore. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. But I am glad to, to Murph's point. Uh, Aliyah getting 30%. That's a strong percentage vote, right? Like the strong percentile, as they like to say in the elections. Um, uh, yeah. So if, if it was a normal year, she probably would have won it. But, yeah. Uh, it wasn't a normal a year. <laughs> and it was right, correct. But a great performance by her. So glad others got, she got the acknowledged for that. Let's dis- let's dispose of the drama right away and just let you know that Shaquem Griffin did also win Male Athlete of the Year. Shocker. Uh, 88% of the vote. Mackenzie Milton got the other 12%. Um, uh, Iro Voss and Kyle <laughs> Lovett got, uh, and Matias Puzolo got, unfortunately, for those guys, shut out, which kind of made me sad because yeah. they had they had great years in their own right. Um, That's I an interesting got- vote, though. That's interesting. Griffin beats Milton 88-12. to 12. That's a pretty wide margin there. I'm, I'm not surprised um, by how wide that margin is. I suspect I suspect there's a good possibility that Mackenzie Milton may very well win this award next year. When you think about yeah, it. And I think that's what people are thinking about right now. Right, assuming he has the year that he just had. Sure, sure. And look, I mean, I don't disagree with it for the record. I don't disagree with it. Again, Mark Daniels, the voice of UCF football, he has a Heisman Trophy ballot. And he voted for Shaquem Griffin, and I and I thought he, he. I remember he wrote about that or tweeted about that, and he it was all the intangibles that he brought to the team, mm-hmm. and uh, so I have no problems with that at all. I think it's the right decision, and, and uh, certainly as we move forward to the summer and into the fall of 2018, one of the biggest questions that I will have is who the heck's going to replace Shaquem Griffin? Not only what he provided on the field, but what he provided off the field. Yeah, I mean that's. I think the biggest question that Randy Shannon has to address as the defensive coordinator is who fills that hole, not not just by Shaquem, but also Shaquan Burkett, who, um, you know, had had a pretty good season in his in his own right. It's just such a tremendous hole that's left in the intangibles game there as well. Murph Milton for next year. Is he is he in the Mm -hmm. pole position for this award? Yeah, and not only because he's playing football because again like as we've seen in this award like if you play football you're going to get more recognition just because of the sport you play so you're going to probably get more votes but also because he is now seen as the face of that program like if Shaquem's gone uh Mackenzie Milton who I think finished eighth in the Heisman Trophy voting last year 
Like, yeah, yeah, he's he's now he's now the number one guy. Yeah, it's his, it's his team. Um, so yeah, definitely interesting. So I could see a scenario here. I'll th- let me throw this scenario. Mm-hmm. I actually think this is plausible. What if Milton has a good year, another great year, but UCF does not uh, go to the All Access Bowl? Let's say they go ten and two, win the American, but BJ Kaler or Taco Fall actually play a healthy year and lead UCF to that elusive NCAA tournament. Could that be what it takes for somebody to that could, win male athlete of the year could, next year? That could be. Or, you know? That could be. Yeah, I, think I, I would wonder if while, the, yeah. I, I think if UCF makes the NCAA, if UCF men's basketball makes the NCAA tournament, it's because of big years from both Taco Fall and BJ Taylor, huh? and they may end up splitting their vote. Potentially. We don't know how it Maybe. plays out. You know, you know, I yeah. mean, that's, you know, just trying to think of scenarios. I mean, I don't even want to speculate on baseball because we don't even know who's on, going to be on the roster. So that's talking. But, you know, it, it's harder. And, you know, you could, you know, Murph can relate. It's harder to pick out, single out a baseball player unless they had like a Chris Duffy type of year where it was, yeah. wow, this guy's an all-American type of player. Um, Who knows? Yeah. We- Mil- you know, Mil- Milton's a heavy favorite. Uh, now, look, I mean, if, if and. The, the thing is, I don't expect, like, there's a lot of talented position players on the football team, like the running backs and the receivers, but I feel like they're all going to cancel each other out. So I don't think any of them would jump Milton in a mm-hmm. boat like that, right? Yeah. So I feel like, and I don't know, while there's going to be talent on the defensive side, I don't know if there's a guy that can match Milton next year if Milton has the year that he right. did this past um, Female athlete of the year, and this one I thought was well-deserved. Um, our nominees were Kaylee Jones of women's golf, Morgan Ferrara of women's soccer, Kia Bright of volleyball, and Aaliyah White from softball. And Morgan Ferrara wins going away 76% of the vote. Aaliyah White had 14%. Kaylee Jones had 7%. Kia Bright had 3 But Morgan Ferrara, who was a, a true favorite among not just UCF women's soccer uh, and, the, and the women's soccer community at UCF, but... But among her peers and among the people who work at UCF Athletics, everyone loves Morgan for all that she does off the field as well. Um, she will be missed tremendously by UCF women's soccer, um, I think, certainly next year. But well-deserved for her winning a female athlete of the year. Well, get an argument from me on that. I mean, she had a tremendous, was a big part of that offense for UCF when they were rolling. They were a top-ten team in the country, got a high seed to host. Won the regular season title. Uh, and that'll be one of the questions that Coach Sahadak's going to have to answer once they get to the fall is how do they replace that production and that depth that they had. Yeah. Uh, but she was re- tremendous. No question. I agree with it. Deserves the vote. And to piggy bank on the Milton point, I do think Aaliyah White is the favorite going into the next season uh, when you consider some of the graduations that women's soccer had, the graduations that women's hoops had. I think certainly Aaliyah White will be the heavy. In fact, I actually think Aaliyah White's a heavier favorite on the women's side going into next year than Mackenzie Milton is on the male side, believe it or not. I, 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 you wouldn't get an argument on that from me, but I do think that, um, that there's a possibility that you know, we might see somebody kind of emerge from women's basketball. I, I, I don't think that we could uh, – I don't think you can rule that out next year. Um, could. 
given you know how given the expectations that that team is going to have if they fulfill them we might see somebody step in we might see someone from volleyball have a tremendous season as well you know Kia Bright was a a huge uh part of what UCF has done in the last five years um but Todd Dagenet has a really talented crop coming back especially these these two freshmen that he had in uh, Christina Fisher and Emery Watson I mean they might who knows what they're going to do in the next season so I think this is more of a toss-up than you think Nerf? What? Hey, <laughs> sure. I mean, I mean, <laughs> what else? What else can I say here? Um, well, I will. Let me counter this real quick. Well, before, Murph, before you go, <laughs> here's my counter to that. And this is, I mean, I think it applies to Milton and White. They're both at positions where they have a lot of say in the result, and will have that will be. That's why they will be like Milton's the quarterback at UCF. That is probably the big, the biggest position in all of male sports at UCF, and I would argue that Aaliyah White's playing the position at pitcher is the most the most important position in all UCF women's sports. Um, she, UCF women's softball will go as far as Aaliyah White goes, yeah, uh, and she's going to be a big part of that. And I would say UCF football will go as far as Mackenzie Milton goes to some extent. So uh, they both play positions where are basically favors will always be among the favorites for player of the year. Let's put it through that way. Yeah, that's a fair point. Definitely a fair point. Um, that takes us to team of the year, which is like, oh. that's a, this is the big one. This is, this is basically <laughs> best picture. So I, uh, you know, we, we couldn't get um, uh, Bonnie and Clyde to help us out here. Uh, but we've got, uh, but this was again, another runaway. Uh we had football, women's tennis, rowing, and women's soccer. 96% of the vote. UCF football this year, the team of the year, just no surprise. When you do what they did, 13-0, and conference champs. Um, again, I don't care whether or not you think the national championship thing is a, is a thing or not. The fact that they were even in the discussion um, and had the season that they did. I mean, God bless women's tennis, rowing, and women's soccer for the years that they had. But it's just, it's hard to argue that one. Who got the 4%? One. Who got the Women, 4%? Rowing. Rowing got all 4%. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing, right? Like, I mean, we're not, I think that's a, that's a great, that you got to take, if you're Becky Kramer in women's rowing, that's a, that's a real big compliment, right? That you, that's well deserved. Four, you got 4% of them. I mean, that's awesome. Well deserved, as they should have, you know, and, and, um, it, it, I think that I always think that that program falls fl- flies way wonder, under the radar anyway. You, I wonder too, right? Don't you think maybe there's a couple of people that know that football is going to win? So hey, you know what? Why not just show some love to somebody else? So, so oh, more, right? Isn't that well? Well, I feel like that. You know, that's well. I I do think that they should that they deserved at least some votes on their own merit. But I just and it's interesting. But you know, getting back to football for the second, is, you know, it, it, it's. So, all right, so Phil Steele's um, preview came out, and obviously we're not doing a preview right now, but... Yeah, he um, previewed the UFC. He, he, UFC. UFC. Oh, boy. Gosh, Phil. Oh, man, what are you going to do? But, um, <laughs> you know, he, he was very those, high on UCF coming into... Oh, oh, go ahead, Eric. Well, let's, let's explain to the audience for that joke. The uh, cover has Mackenzie Milton on it, but it says UFC not U- instead of UCF. It was obviously a typo. Yeah. Hey, look, he's uh, he's an incredibly he's an incredibly talented athlete. The fact that he's switching sports is you know, I mean, is is just a, is remarkable. He can't do any worse. Can't do any worse than CM Punk did at UFC 225. So, I mean, yeah. 
<laughs> but we've got okay. So so here's the thing that I think you know. Obviously, Phil Steele is high on UCF. He doesn't think that they'll go thirteen and zero again this year, but um, but should compete for the American at the very least. I'll, I'll throw this out to you guys. What percentage chance do you have? Do you have UCF winning the American next year? And what percentage chance do you have them going undefeated next year? And uh, uh, Brian, I will start with you. Winning the American Conference or their East Division? Winning the American Conference. Winning the conference? Uh, 60%, like okay. more than 50-50. Yeah, certainly. Uh, going undefeated uh, is sort of like Blutarski's GPA. It's <laughs> 0. 0. <laughs> It Mathematically works out to 0. 0.0. Elo? 0. 0.0. Wait, so you got 0% chance of undefeated. Okay. Correct, yes. Is that because yeah. of the schedule? Is that just you don't think the ball will bounce the way it did last right. year? What, what, okay. Like, if you're if, unless you're Alabama, it's really, really, really sort of fools uh, like the fool there, and to say that you're going to go undefeated. Well, so it's I'm it's also apply, it also applies to Alabama because I don't recall the last time they had an undefeated national championship. So there you go. I mean, like, like what, what do you want me to say? You want to say like four percent, like? It's it, like it doesn't matter that at that point. Like it, it, let's just say what it is. It, it's I would say it's not going to happen. Oh uh, nine is your answer when Alabama went undefeated, won the national yeah. title. That's, a, that's nine years ago. Well, it, yeah. yeah, it's hard. Okay. I mean, it's not yeah. easy. Um, wow, that's all right. Um, I wasn't expecting that question on this episode. I was hoping maybe a month from now we have a better feel, but. We'll, I will we'll, say we'll, this. We'll, we'll revisit. We'll revisit. Anyway, go here's ahead. A, here's, I, I'm not going to go zero percent on the undefeated because I don't. I, unlike others, I actually don't think UCF schedule is that hard, uh, especially in the league. Like the only game that I have concerns about from UCF standpoint in the Eastern side is the game in Tampa against USF, and I actually think USF will be better. See, and the thing that's interesting, I feel like USF's in the boat where UCF was a year ago. Where everybody remember last year when when we were doing this episode probably a year ago everybody was picking USF mm-hmm. to win and probably go undefeated yeah. and everybody was wondering about UCF and the quarterback position oh they're a year away and I feel like the the roles have reversed and it's funny because last year USF had a coaching change oh we got Charlie Strong in in his first year and he's got a loaded roster led by a star quarterback Quinton Flowers they're not going to miss a beat. And I think it's the same, and, and that's now the UCF role. They got a new quarter head coach. They're not going to miss a beat. They've got a star quarterback. And I think everybody just assumes that USF's going to take 10 steps backwards because of Flowers, and rightfully so. Flowers was fantastic. But I actually, I think they'll, in a weird way, uh, I think USF will be fine. And I actually think they could trip up UCF, to, to Murph's point, uh, in that game. That game's or, in Tampa, for one correct. thing. And I think. And I think UCF could lose at Memphis, too. I think those are the two games in the conference that I'm concerned about. Every other game, they should win pretty comfortably. It's just, um, I always get scared of the, the, the game. Bill Simmons has a term for it. it, it it's called the, the, the no effing way game. And mm-hmm. it's, a re, it's a reference to, like, you know when you would play Madden? And you could, you could have it set on, like, rookie mode, all right, in a season. And there's just one game where the computer's AI just decides you are not going to win. All right, you fumble ten every time you carry the ball. The ball gets batted around and intercepted, and you and you end up losing a game somewhere along the line in your in your Madden season. 
I'm terrified of the no effing way game. If if it comes on the, you know, it, it'll it'll come probably when we least expect it. It was almost for the 2013 that game up in Temple, right? Just seemed like nothing was quite going right, and they just scraped out that win. But you know, you think about all the things that happened in that game that could that were basically decided by a coin flip that went UCF's way, and UCF had a, had a couple of moments like that last year in the USF game, in the Memphis game. Um, even in the Auburn game, some coin flip moments that that oh, SMU. You know, I think SMU is more another good one. Yeah, category. Yeah, SMU is the one that would qualify. And if you want to say Navy for that matter, I think Navy. The Navy the one Navy was another one. This upcoming year, this upcoming year, if you want to pick a game like that, that would be the one I would pick. Is that Navy game at home? I still think the strength is on the Western side in the conference. So I will say that UCF's probably. I would pick it about sixty-five percent win the league. Uh, and about, I won't be, I will say about 20% chance they go undefeated. Okay. One in five chance that they go undefeated. I've been trying to look up, like, when's the last last time, like, a team went back-to-back undefeated, and I've been trying to figure this out, like, looking up, and if I had, like, a few more minutes, I could find it, but, like, it's been a long, long time. Just the odds of it happening are high. Very long, very long, and we don't. And the wild card in all this, we don't know how good or how good of any good North Carolina is going to be. North Carolina was a disaster last year, but Larry Fedora can coach, so you got to think Carolina can't be any worse than they were last year. Is Pittsburgh going to be any good this year? We don't know the wild card. Obviously, the the game we haven't talked about is FAU, which that in itself, you want to talk yeah. about yeah. the year, that could be the game of the year right there. Uh, if I, you know, because FAU will be ready for that game with Lane Kiffin, and I know people don't like Lane Kiffin, and they may not like the personality or whatever, but the guy can coach, and he can coach offense, and that that game could be forty nine forty two, where me and Brian Murphy are like in the parking lot, like at two in the morning, getting out of there after a five hour game. Uh, I'm looking up. By the, by the way, yeah, the, the last program to go back to back undefeated is the ninety four ninety five Nebraska Cornhuskers. Well, there you wow. go. Ah, Tommy Osborne. Go. It all goes Scott full Frost. Oh. No, oh, no, I'm sorry. No, that wasn't Scott Frost. I beg your pardon. That was Tommy no, Frazier. Tommy Frazier, yeah, Holy that's right. Although Scott Frost was, I believe, a was on the roster for the second one, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? 95, maybe, but they also they were also undefeated in 97. So, Jesus. Yeah, that was Frost. My, my own. I think Brooks Bollinger was the, was a was a big quarterback 95. for them. But yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was the one in '95 because Frazier had that like an aneurysm or something, like a blood clot in his in his arm or something, some strange thing here. But um, but yeah, that yeah. was the last team that went back to back, back to back undefeated seasons. So '94, '95, Nebraska. So good find, Brian, on that one. So. All right. Well, that does it for the bannies. Um, and uh, yeah, so we wanted to thank everyone who voted. Thanks to you guys, um, you know, again for <laughs> hanging with me. And thanks for a great year, you know. I, I, and uh, and I really do mean that, Eric and Brian. And thanks to Derek Warden, you know, our staff photographer who was out there, you know, at all the football games, multiple other events, like slaving away with his incredible equipment, giving us some unbelievable photos. I mean, if you get the chance to check him out, please do, because he was just, he's just an amazing photographer and we're very lucky to have him. Uh, I'm lucky to have the two of you guys on this podcast and, and, and on the staff writing all the stuff that you guys write. And I want to thank you again for excellent 2017, 2018 year. It's just been, it's just been a blast. And, uh, you know, we witness history 
and we had a front row seat for it and uh it wouldn't have been as fun if it was if if we'd done things separately as uh, having you guys on board has just been a blast and i thank you both brian and eric for uh, everything that you've done for uh for me and for black and gold banner at this year thanks jeffrey i appreciate you guys <laughs> been a blast boys it has been a blast now okay. all right let me let me uh preface this now this is the end of the 2017-2018 year for us, but over the summer we'll have you know occasional. Um, we'll be able to drop in some emergency podcasts. I'm sure Eric Lopez will be having one when the new softball coach gets hired. Um, we will be having, uh, and I'm sure you know if there's any other news that comes down that Brian catches wind of or anything. And uh, we'll also do our summer sessions with uh, alumni that we're also working on um, as well. We're not going to reveal who any of them are, but you're going to remember their names. Um, and we've got some really good stuff coming up for you as well. In the meantime, I will close as we always do. Um, what are your guys' plans for the summer? Brian, I'll start with you. Well, I'm looking to get home, Jeffrey. <laughs> I knew you were going to say looking, that. I'm looking at, to some point survive the night out here in the middle of nowhere, Florida, and, and, and see my bed again. So that that's my plan. And then hopefully in the next couple of days, I might go visit men's basketball, which which actually might happen. Dante Culpepper yeah. visited men's basketball today, by the way. There was a photo. Well, uh, Coach Dawkins was circulating a photo on Twitter of that. Well, you know, where, where Dante Culpepper is, I, I follow closely behind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Eric, what about you? Well, let's see. I'll be doing Still a softball podcast on In the Circle on Fast Pitch News. A lot of coaching moves, as you mentioned, still to be made. So I'll be following that. I shall be doing uh, some episodes from Vieira, Florida this week. And uh, hoping to catch up with actually former Knight, Shelby Turnier, who's playing for the Bandits. Okay, now speaking of off-season moves, um, Murph, are you going to be doing more work for the Sentinel at all? Or anything you can divulge (laughs) divulge on that? Wow. 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 Jeffrey, no, really. No, listen. Really, I, I really want going there. I <laughs> no. I want to. No, listen. You did such a great job for them covering the college baseball, and I think that the more places that people can read stuff that you write, the better. So, um, <laughs> so I no. I really yeah. do want to compliment you on the work that you did that you did there, and it was uh, and it was great because you know UCF, and I think and I think the fans trust you. So you know you have two guys in our corner. You have two guys in your corner on that one. Well, thank you, and I and I, I only make fun of it because I'm awful at selling myself, so I don't like to talk about these sort of things. But well, you uh, should leave that to me. I charge ten percent. Yeah, so there you go, <laughs> and then I'll, I'll just say like, fine, whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah. Let's just say, let's just say yes. Okay. Let's just say yes. Good. Well, I'm hoping yeah. that we see more of you. Um, you know, wherever it is we can get, and uh, and obviously Eric with all the work that you do as well. Spokes underscore Murphy for Brian on Twitter. For Eric, it's Eric Lopez Elo. For me, it's Jeff underscore Sharon. For Derek, it's underscore DS Warden on Twitter. Make sure you check out his work um, this year, uh, from this past year as well. Um, it's been a real blast. We're hoping to do some more things over the summer that I think you'll find interesting. Getting ready for the previews. Obviously, we're talking a little football off season. And by the way, boys. 30 days today, 30 days until American Athletic Conference Football Media Day. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Here we go. Right back someone, at it again. Someone going <laughs> to pay for my plane flight? 
Am I going to pay for my plane ticket? But, uh, <laughs> some someone might. It's not going to be me. I have a budget of zero. <laughs> Um, for, all, for all for all we know, Merv, you might be closer to Rhode Island right now than you're in Orlando. Yeah, you might just be, I, it you, might be. You might already might be, be there. <laughs> it just, I, I literally might be. I, I I can't stress this enough. I am not. I'm not where people are at this point. I don't even know if humans are around. <laughs> oh boy, would all it right, make well, you feel better that, that at the time of this recording, there's still baseball going on, or no? Oh, it does. Baseball always comfort, comforts me like a like a like a warm blanket i'm like linus in uh in peanuts just get there wherever you're going just get there safely and thanks again um remember a reminder to you you can follow us throughout the off season at ucf underscore bannerette on twitter at facebook.com slash black and gold bannerette on facebook uh and of course always at black and gold bannerette.com subscribe to us via your email you can actually get email um updates from us uh by just signing up with your email address um, at blackandgoldbanneret.com. So for all of us at Black and Gold Banneret, for Eric, for Derek, for Brian, for me, for everybody who's made it possible, uh, including our sponsor for this podcast, the Unger Real Estate Group, uh, Sam Unger and his folks have done a fine job as well. Um, they came on as our first sponsor this year, and we're so thankful to Sam for his uh, incredible generosity. Um, and, I, I mean... <laughs> I remember when when I met him for this the first time. We were like, we're like, all right, we're we're kind of going into uncharted territory. You and me, like, you ever sponsored anything? He was like, he's like, nah. You ever had a sponsor? I was like, nah. I was like, great, we're made for each other. <laughs> so, thanks to <laughs> thanks to Sam for his support. He's just been so good to us. Um, it's it's been great, guys. You've been great to me. Thank you once again. Thank you, See you soon, boys. And that will do it for the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast for 2017-2018. Keep posted on your feeds for our summer sessions. Until then, enjoy your summer. Go Knights and charge on. Thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast.